Hello, extra time. Point to the league, not to get a hold, because it, it damages your reputation. It, it makes people, when they read it, just laugh at you. Single block, they're playing in the league one, and they're playing in Europe, and they're credit in the game in this country. You're very welcome along to the Extra Time.ie Sportscast. Myself, Declan Maron here in studio. Uh, it's been a, a tough week wrangling in uh, some guests and some co-presenters. So again, I'm sat in here alone, but thankfully I've managed to uh, just briefly grab Mokdara Ferris on the line. Mokdara, how are you? I'm good, Declan. How are you getting on? Good, good, good. Our guest today, we've got uh, Rob Manley, Cabin Teeley's top scorer, uh, thankfully joining us on the line to uh, talk a little bit about how Cabo season has gone. They've had an unbelievable start to the season going uh, top of the league and for the first time in uh, since they've entered the first division. So plenty to talk with Rob about, but um, Mokdara, first of all, thanks for uh, taking the call. I know you're a busy man. We got you in last week, but yeah, failed this time. Um, you're, you're up to your old shenanigans, travelling about the place, keeping That's busy. Just- Keep busy, you know, doing all sorts of things, but uh, always, always a time for a bit of football discussion. That's good on this podcast specifically. Although I did, I know you were making your radio debut a little while ago there. Um, uh, no, which... I'm not debut. They, they, they Sorry. have my number on RT Sunday <laughs> Sport for quite some time. <laughs> not debut, I should say. The first time in a while we've seen you on there, that, and and maybe debut fair. along with um, uh, a former guest on this show and, and a host of another uh, rival podcast, and uh, he's our buddy and buddy in the round the place. So. Ah, uh, Conan Byrne, he's a lovely, he's a lovely chap to chat Didn't to. Have yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not have the name. I'm only asking Conan's an excellent lad. Let's, um, let's dive into it. Let's talk uh, under-17s, Euros, McDarrah, because we haven't really had a chance much to cover this on the show the last couple of weeks. It's been going on around um, around the country, a couple of games hosted. It, it seems to have gone quite well. We'll start with Ireland's sort of frustrating exit. Um, all in all, probably an improvement on their form beforehand because they had uh, four losses from seven friendlies on the, run on, on the run into the tournament, I should say. But a couple of maybe unlucky results. I think it's probably a, a pretty Irish end to the tournament where we've come away with some you know, results to be proud of, feeling a little bit hard done and a lot to moan about in the ref, uh, the refereeing side once again. A couple of pantomime villains as well. We do love a bit of that. Yeah, it was a series of one-all draws, which, yeah, is really Ireland stuff. It's like uh, 1990 World Cup all over again. Absolutely, but fair enough to say that there were pretty, um, pretty good draws for the most part. The Greece one is probably the one that's that's cost uh, the under seventeens. Probably cost Colin O'Brien's team the the chance for qualification. Really done late on with that that late goal. But all in all, I think it's been it's been more or less positive, hasn't it? Yeah, well, there's also been some really big crowds. I so, said so there was there was over four and a half thousand at the game against Belgium, which was the which was the last game in, in Tallaght Stadium for for that game. So there was, there was a really big crowd. Even say on on Sunday, there was two and a half thousand um, at the game in in Bray uh, that that Belgium won. It wasn't quite as big a crowd uh, at the uh, France Czech Republic game that I was at. But the the crowds have been the crowds have been excellent, and and uh, the football's been pretty good as well from what I've seen. And no losses for Conor O'Brien, so obviously a, a big part of it. And as we said, sort of done slightly unlucky with the, the Greece goal. And then the red card. Let's talk a little bit about the red card. It got loads of coverage the last couple of weeks anyway, so we won't delve in that too long. But we should sort of reference the standard of refereeing in these underage um, tournaments because we were only talking off air about Corcoran's red card, the goalkeeper. A lot of people remember who was sent off for sort of stepping up, getting a second yellow for stepping off the line. Um, and I think people had genuinely labelled that as technically the right call but a bit of cop on should have been used in that scenario in that tournament um this time it's a slovenian official who's who's um come under the scrutiny after the czech cap i think he's a captain uh, jan hellebrand died yeah, was, uh, yeah. for a ridiculous um 
just just an absolute farcical situation where there was no real. There, I don't even have to say no real. There was no contact uh, from Festi and Boselli. Um, and again, I'm sure a lot of people have seen it at this stage. But in terms of the standard of refereeing at these tournaments, I mean, you've been to uh, some of the games already recently. Is it noticeable? Is is it just a case of these are guys in training and well as well, and this is how it has to be? Well, I think in that instance, the you know it was a, it was a it was the wrong decision, but there's just no way of overturning it. Seemingly, the rules are just it's only mistaken identity that they can do something about a kind of second yellow card. Um, and while I wouldn't wish it on anyone, there was maybe a little bit of of karma because actually the the Czech player um, he was very unlucky in the game against France on Sunday and actually broke his leg having made a last gasp tackle to actually stop a, another French goal going in um, and he, he was uh, I don't think we probably wish him definitely well but I don't think there's much sympathy for the Czech Republic side having gone through so the fact that France beat them 6-1 in the quarterfinal um, I think most Irish fans are probably happy enough with that um, certainly the, the officiating on, on Sunday at that game until I was at was, was excellent and uh, I've been uh, raving although others have been saying it as well about I'm not going to pronounce it right but the Paris Saint-Germain midfielder Adil Oichiche I'm definitely getting it wrong but anyway he got four goals on Sunday that was to go with the hat trick he got against Sweden um, and a couple of other goals he got earlier on in the tournament he got a goal against England um, and one against the Dutch so he's got nine goals in four games and he looks really 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 impressive so he was the the standout player although did also get to see Zinedine Zidane's son Theo get on get oh, off the yeah. bench in the second half as well so did yeah see Zinedine but around to, himself was he not because a lot of people were reporting uh, that he was around the ground he wasn't there getting a, a kick out in the coffee or anything like that no, no, didn't didn't get a chance to chat to him at, at halftime down below. And the, um, it was interesting to see the setup. It was all like massive media area. There wasn't a huge amount of media presence. There was more UEFA kind of delegates and officials kind of watching on. Um, I had one of the guys sitting beside me who was delighted to be in, in Tala. He'd, uh, he'd been doing the games in Longford. So he was interested to see the setup in Tala Stadium. But um, uh, didn't see, didn't get a chance to have a chat with uh, Zinedine Zidane. Well, yeah, look out for that. He was... Look, look out for the yeah. next extra time that he sportscast next time France are over here and Zidane's son is playing. Look out for the next yeah. sportscast interview with Zidane. We, we might wrangle him on. You never know. We might, yeah. We might, yeah. Um, just on, on that, that pronunciation, uh, look, never fear that. Say it with confidence. If there's something I learned... If there's something I yeah, learned from interviewing uh, Dervila Byrne, B-E-I-R-N-E, and not copping that it was the Irish spelling of Byrne, you, you just got to oh, say yeah. it with confidence and... <laughs> Well, that, that's fine. My, my issue is I never studied French in school, so if it was Spanish or a bit of German, I'd, I'd have a go of it. So, I'm, I'm, but up, what I, what I'm, I would, I'm up there with I, you, but I did study Irish, and I should have got burned, right? And it was uh, an absolutely that, mortifying that moment. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'd recommend to people, if they get a chance, so the, the semifinals are on Thursday, so um, the uh, France play Italy yeah. in Tallis Stadium at 7 o'clock, but earlier in the day... Uh, is it not um, 8? I thought it was 8. I could be no, wrong on that. 7 o'clock. It's on the website officially. Yeah, a little earlier, yeah. Okay, fair enough. And, and yeah. Netherlands, Spain is in UCD earlier that day. Yeah, yeah. And so it's a, the, the just obviously the, the, the last couple of games. There's also a playoff game earlier on the day. I think that's to do with maybe seeding or something for another yeah. competition. But um, if people get a chance to, to go, like FAI season ticket holders, I'm pretty certain you can essentially think the tickets are free. Or if they're not free, they're only a fiver. Um, I think tickets might still be available for the final, which is on Sunday afternoon in Tallis Stadium at, at yeah. 4.30. But um, it is a chance to to see some of these players and then potentially if they go on and do well, to bore your friends for years to come <laughs> to say that you saw X play in 
wherever in Tulka Park or UCD or, or Tallis Stadium, whatever, in under 17. So uh, exactly. Well, actually, could you could you do us a favour and bore us with that? Tell us a little bit just about the game you're at the six one because I saw you update us uh, on Twitter a lot about the the six one win. Um, you're pretty happy of all games getting the go cover that one. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. I say that the um, the. the Midfielder got four goals and they were really well taken goals. Like he had a lot to do. He needed quick feet in, in the box and, and he's uh, um and, and he got his hat trick and then they got a, a penalty and uh, by that stage he had actually got the captain's armband so because uh, the captain had gone off. So he, he called rank, grabbed the ball and stuck the fourth one away, which was which was quite good as well. So um and yeah they were six nil up the, the Czechs scored right at the de- right of the death um just to put well it wasn't even any kind of consolation it yeah. was nearly the last nearly the last kick of the game but uh like there was plenty of, like there was a lot of the other officials were managers from the other the squads were there so Donald Conway president of the FBI was there as well watching on so that was going to be my next question because a lot made about whether John Delaney would show his face at this I don't I haven't seen many reports of him being there um I've, I've read that he was allowed to be there in a uh, not in a professional capacity, but uh, still being paid largely, I see, to, to uh, do whatever he likes at these kind of things. But he, he, there's, no, there's been no sighting of him just yet. Yeah, I don't, I don't, he's certainly not there, I don't think, in an official capacity. Um, I'm sure he can pay his money, and there isn't a picture of John Delaney with all the stewards going around the trans <laughs> to say, no, I'm sorry, you can't, you can't come in. But, do, uh, do that thing that Kevin Keegan revealed he did when going back into Newcastle, because he, he realised that... Uh, Obviously, he, he, you know, still a little bit of hard feeling between himself and Mike Ashley at Newcastle, and he went in, I believe, wearing in his head a disguise. It was a cap and like a pair of sunglasses, and was instantly recognised as soon as he walked in the door because it's Kevin Keegan. Well, it's Kevin Keegan. <laughs> well, of course, Jose Mourinho went in or out of a dressing room in a in a, in a yeah, laundry but... basket, I think, at one stage as well. <laughs> So I'm not sure if John would would, uh, would fancy that same kind of treatment now. Um, so no, Probably. so. Probably not. <laughs> Fair to assume. Uh, let's move on from that then. As you said, finals on Sunday the 19th. Do try to get down to the semi-finals and look out for our um, look out for our social media on extratime.e because it's been brilliantly covered there. As you said, we haven't covered it much on the podcast, but our reporters went out there and yeah, did a maybe brilliant job. Yeah, maybe say that, Declan. Yeah, like we've, um, we've, it's been great. Like people have, re- like our reporters have really enjoyed getting along there and also our photographers as well. So it's worth, you know, our, our photo side is well worth having a look at as well. So, um, but it's been a, it's been an excellent tournament to, to cover and we've tried to get to as many games as we can. So like I'm, I'm, I'm open to correction, but there, 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 so there wasn't a lot of press at the game on, on um on sunday but i think definitely there was there was at the at the later games um and say we're covering the the two semi-finals and the final um four people to boats from up in the press box and then down on the sidelines with our photographers as well brilliant stuff um and it's at extra time news usually i plug our own channel but i'm going to plug the normal extra time twitter on or facebook whichever one you want to follow for all those stories and extra time.ie to get on to uh, all the articles there. McDowell, let's talk about Dundalk on top of the league. You were at the game, back uh, to the top as they beat both two. Now, Georgie Kelly coming in for Pat Hooban, doing the business. Yeah, yeah, it was Georgie Kelly's first league start, which was kind of incredible. He's been at Dundalk for quite some time, and he, he's, um, you know, he's, he's, he's played, he's come off the bench, he's scored goals in the, the non-league competitions, uh, but this was the first time he'd, he'd made his league start. So he's given the opportunity because Pat Hooban was suspended, and uh, yeah, he got the opening goal, he took it really well, it kind of was a benefit of a bit of a deflection as Michael Duffy kind of uh, beat, probably Derek Pender, I think, was uh, and kind of the deflection just came to Georgie Kelly, his back to goal, swiveled and stuck it away and uh, in the second half Dundalk got a penalty which Chris Shields took which is a little bit strange yeah. but um, 
I James Tolbert pulled off quite a good save, and uh, but soon after, I think probably Tolbert probably wouldn't have been happy with. Uh, he kind of came for a cross, didn't quite make it, and Sean Hoare got a got a header to make a two 0 And and Dock were well worth the win. Um, Dinny Corkum was he did what what Dinny does well. He held the ball up, he brought the other players in, but he was still a little bit isolated. Um, and we saw bits of Mandreu in, in flashes, but they 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 didn't. Bowes really didn't create too much. Um, there was one shot that Gary Rogers, who I think he broke the all-time appearance record for for goalkeepers in the League of Ireland and, and not having equalised, he pulled off a really good save. That was probably the best chance that was in the second half that that Bowes had. But definitely they were they were second best on the night, having looked to try and get a win to go second in the table. But it means uh, Bowes got all three points and they went top of the table for the first time this season. Um, on goal difference. So everyone now has played 16 games and uh, having been 13 points behind Shamrock Rovers at one stage, haven't played two games, uh, Rovers have played two games more. Um, Dundalk have gone top on goal difference and probably the benefit of um, the firepower that they have up front. You know, the top scorer is still Huben. Michael Duffy's only a little bit behind. Um, whereas if you look at the, the, uh, the goal scored by Rovers, it's kind of distributed amongst the team. So it's a four goal better goal difference put them on top on, on Friday evening absolutely they uh, come up now against Cork City who are on a nice uh, run of two well, wins back to back wins yeah back-to-back since wins for the changeover yeah. so uh, they've had a bit of a bounce Rovers one win in their last four um, is this we, I, I talked to you last week about the sort of mystique of Dundalk disappearing is this where they get it back because they're starting to look pretty strong they're starting to go on a good run you mentioned that you mentioned even the, the goal scoring now so there's not really there was talk earlier in the year about Hoban hadn't done enough um, from you know open play score penos and stuff like that that's out of the way now they've got Georgie Kelly coming in this place they're starting to look like they've got that depth back in the team it might just be a case of this team settling down a bit again regaining that maybe not to the same level that Mystique but still very much they look took us a little while but we're back kind of thing and also I know this is a bit of a long rambling question but will Shamrock Rovers have the bottle given that they haven't in recent years well, say if you talk about Dundalk first, that's 19 points out of the last 21. So there's the six wins and a draw from the last seven games. So they're they've, they've, they're back in the groove that we've seen over the last um, you know four to five seasons, where they can go on these runs. Um, and yeah, they they looked well. They were well worth the win. I would have seen them recently. They're well worth the win against Shamrock Rovers. Also saw them against UCD, um, maybe two or two or three weeks ago, and and they were they were excellent in that second half as well. So so they're definitely back in the groove. I say the 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 it's a big game. While Cork City are are, are down the league, there's you know those two have gone head to head. There's a bit of optimism back around Turners Cross again. So this Friday will be really interesting. Yeah, in relation to Shamrock Rovers, you know they didn't play uh, last Friday because I think. Tallis Stadium, the pitch was essentially being rested with all the Euro games going on. So they played Finn Harps a number of weeks ago um, and won won that match. So uh, so yeah, but but in terms of what they've done, yeah, it's it's three losses and four. But if there was maybe one game that they'd like to, or one team that they'd like to be playing this week, and they've been enjoying beating Finn Harps this season, but they get a chance to maybe get three points against UCD, who are in rotten form. They've got six. Yeah. They've they've lost six in a row. So if there's so that match is in Belfield on, on Friday night, um, you know uh, they'll be saying there's no easy games. But if you were looking at a fixture, what what you'd like, this would be the one that this this, this would be the one that you'd want. There's traditionally there's always a big Rovers crowd in UCD. You know the traditional kind of close to where um, you know Milton this type of thing. So there's always a good crowd, a good Rovers crowd at, at UCD as well. So um, 
they'll be expecting to get three points on, on Friday evening. Right, good stuff. Thanks, Mark Dara. We'll uh, take a break here, speak to our guest, and uh, then we will get back and probably talk a little bit about some First Division and a little bit about uh, your team, your town, your tribe. You'll know what I mean if you saw that uh, certain ad on RTE this week. We'll talk about that in a few minutes as well. But first, let's speak to Rob Manley. And you're joined by uh, Daniel Corcoran. Daniel, professional footballer from Dublin. Just outside the city, Fibsborough, Scotland. Right, who'd you play for? Bohemians FC. The Bohemians. <laughs> Might have 189 not written down. Oh, sorry, it's gone. Oh, corporate. Daniel? I think I have 829. Uh, 100s minus 9 times by 9. It's 819. And add the 10. Very nicely done. 829. Start with a consonant, please. Consonant, please, Karen. Very happy to say on the line we've got Rob Manley, uh, top scorer in the first division at the moment uh, for Cabin Teeley. Uh, Cabo top of the league at the moment, Rob, um, on a pretty good run, seven without defeat and uh, two huge back-to-back wins. There's uh, got to be a bit of high spirits there at the club at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah, we're all really enjoying it. Um, to be fair, like I don't know how we beat Shells, so we got a bit lucky there. But um, I thought we played very well against Longford. And... Um, yeah, top of the league at the minute. I know Longford have a game in hand, but we are enjoying it. Like as I said before, it's just it's history for the club being top of the table. That which was is great. That, that that was actually going to be one of the the next things I asked you about the the uh, two games because they're they're funny results in a way. As you said, I think I saw Connor Keeley saying, "I don't know how we beat them um, in the Shells mm-hmm. game." I think there was was there two or three goal line clearances and a penalty saved. So yeah, a little bit of luck. Like yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah. and does it feel that way I suppose for the last few games is that things maybe that can very easily go against you in football are going on your side at the moment um, I think definitely for the Shells game they did um, other games I think like we've defended well the lads at the back have been like superb for us like Connor Jack Jack Hudson as well coming in and everyone else like, like we, have, we have depth in the squad there so other some lads can step in like Sean Hurley was out and then Johnny Johnny was out Johnny Carroll and he came back in and it's just the depth we have in the squad it's going well and the Longford game is probably a little bit different both teams probably could have had goals looking back mm. at the highlights of that game is, is it comes down to I suppose these two big games like that the right mentality because a lot of the time luck goes a certain way and the way you play goes a certain way but just having the, the mental strength to keep going and, and eventually break it down sometimes um, yeah look uh, Pat Eddie Graham and, and Heffo um, in training like they always just say like just take it each game at a time um, they've set their standards and yeah they have a solid drill like for every game when we're going into it it's just our heads are mentally prepared for every game when it comes to say that something like that Longford game then it was a late goal I suppose deciding it and both teams probably could have had a, a goal as I mentioned early on it must have felt good grabbing that late one, serving Longford up their first defeat. Does it start to feel a little bit like maybe it's not going to happen on a day like that, or does everyone manage to keep the heads pretty well? Um, no, we we just we just kept our heads. Like we know the quality we have in the squad, so if we can if we can go without conceding, like we we, we generally like we we know we feel like we can be any team. If eventually, like someone will score, like Marty's banging them in now at the minute. And Vilius has chipped in, and Keith Dalton has chipped in. So, like, we know the quality that we have in the team. So it's all about just just playing the game how how we want it. And I suppose now that you're on this kind of run and you're you are effectively at the top of the league, um, and not effectively, you very much are at the top of the league. I suppose pressure 
grows and people start talking about it like that a little bit more people wait to see how you're going to get on down the line because I remember you spoke to I think it was our very own Andrew Dempsey um, talking about everyone buzzing being at the, the top of the league for the first time really with Cabo but has there been a little bit more pressure and, and sort of speculation and talk about about you guys being up there since since you've sort of gone on this run no we 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 enjoyed it on Saturday obviously but like we 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 realised like Longford have the game in hand so once they if they play like we're expecting them to win their game so they will go back on top so we'll just enjoy it while we're top and keep keep doing what we're doing and from your own point of view it's been a, a pretty much an excellent breakout season um, your first real run of games you got nominated I saw for player of the month for April and you're the league top scorer you must be must be absolutely uh, loving it at the moment yeah I, I was I was just thankful for Pat for taking me in um, I, it's the game time that I'm enjoying so much this season and obviously the lads like Marky have been a great help for me um, he's so experienced in the league um, same with Fitzy I know he doesn't play much but he's on he's always just chatting to us away in the dressing room and not everyone else like all the other lads who have been there for the past few years and you would have known Pat of course from UCD is that, was that largely yeah. how the move came about? yeah that, that's uh, Pat knew me from my time at UCD and, and we got along well together and he tried to sign me last year before I went to Bowles uh, but I kind of chose Bowles ahead of, ahead of Pat and he wasn't too happy <laughs> but um, so I, I felt like I felt like I owed him one this year you're paying him back now anyway with the goal yeah. so far anyway it's fair to say just I remember Pat as well talking and a lot of people talking about the young base of the team to start the season a lot of players have come through the the 17s and the sort of underage setup of the club has that, has that kind of helped having a bit of familiarity around the club I know you'd have been one that, that came in but it must be a really good connection I suppose around a lot of the players oh yeah it's it's brilliant um, the young lads as well have been brilliant Alex Aspel Alex Aspel Zach uh, Vilius, the likes of them boys and Alan Massey as well, like who've come up from the nineteens and um they're just they're gelling really well and they've they're they're just brilliant players. Like I, I think especially Alex Axwell, I think he I think he gave up the nineteens football with Pat so he could play first team with Kevin Dealey and it's gone really well for him. I'm delighted for him. You mentioned Decker and Marty Waters as well, one of the more experienced heads around the team. Um, he's starting to obviously get on the goal scoring form now as well with yourself, but he's been linking up from what I've seen quite well with you. I even looked, saw the, the highlights of the Longford game. There was some nice link up play um, in there, good chance for himself, but he's provided you with some assists. How, how's that relationship gone this season? Seems like you've got good connection on the field anyway. It's been brilliant, yeah. We get we get on well off the field as well, so it's um, we're always just talking and interesting. We're always just messing with each other and we, we always try and trying to outscore each other in the sessions like in the just the sessions after training and um no we, we just understand each other when we're playing so it's just a massive help and i like he's helped me so much with with the goals that i've scored this year would it be in your uh your breakout year in a way i suppose you're coming up against a lot of teams or a lot of players you probably wouldn't have had a, a chance to to really drive against how have you found the, the sort of first rounds of, of a couple of games who's been the, the toughest i suppose opponent or team that you've come up against so far have you found um, there's been a few like the likes of Bray and uh, Longford, obviously, Shells as well. Um, they're tough. To, like they're they're the top the top teams really. Um, in the league. When it when it comes out, were you surprised a little bit? Because I, I spoke to Ian Morris um previous week or a week before that, um about the sort of reaction around the Shells team because I think a lot of people expected with some of the big names obviously going to Shells that you know, they'd have to run away with this league. But it seems a lot tougher than that. I think Ian, Ian was very much of the opinion that it was a huge overreaction about his team. Was, was there 
Did you guys feel much about that? Because obviously you probably wouldn't have been talked all that much about as being up in with a chance of getting up the top um, in the early stages of the year. Like, no, I think um, like with the introduction of the two ten-team leagues in um, in the League of Ireland, that, that was last year. It was the first year for that. I think um, like it just makes the league so much more competitive. The two the two leagues really um, like every game like. Look at it as well. Like I think Bray are, are six daddy and they're still they're still well push up for like for the for the champions champion spot like and um it just makes it so much more competitive. Like speaking of the next competitive game for yourselves then it's um your former teams, draw it up next. Um you got a hat trick there in the away game, I, I think I'm right in saying. So it's more hope from poor the same here, I imagine. Yeah, we we we've trained hard this week and um trained again tomorrow. and then um we just head in again, like it's, it's just another game. We looked every game with the go into the right mentality, and we do our work on each team. So it's 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 all about that, really. Taking each game as it as it kind of stands, where you're top of the league at the moment, it's going to get harder to do that, I'm sure, as as the run goes on. That you, you assume you aren't talking too much about the sort of unbeaten run. It's just a case of forget about that, get on with it. Yeah, it, yeah, it's just uh, forget about it because every game is different. Every game, um, we have to take every game as it comes. Like and, and Graham and Pat and Eddie, they all like uh, chip in and help us out. But yeah, they have us prepared really for every game. That being said, I'm sure there's still probably hope from your own point of view and from the lads that that look promotion is obviously achievable. It's it's competitive, but it's not beyond doubt for for any of the teams. As you said, maybe in the top six or or possibly even beyond that. So you'll obviously be uh, hoping for for a good chance in in the promotion for the end of the season. Yeah, we had our standards there. Um, to, to secure a playoff place at the start of the season so so we're, we're going well at the minute and hopefully we can just continue Brilliant stuff well Rob thanks very much for uh, taking the call and uh, best of luck for the remainder of the season no thanks very much Gareth Penrose isn't exactly Alexander Graham Bell but the Dubliner did bring Irish football into the modern era with the establishment of ExtraTime.ie Hello ExtraTime thanks for your support you are the 12th man so in some ways Penrose is a pioneer website has evolved to include weighty opinion pieces, coverage of women's football and a regular podcast. Greg Bolger, as a player of some technical ability, that some is probably a bit disingenuous to... Uh, you're strong! You're strong! Thanks, Here's something back, Mr Penrose. Thank you. And I don't do it so they turn around and go, well, thank you, David. Thank you for the laughs. I do it so one day, someone will go, there goes David Brent. I must remember to thank him. Great chatting to Rob there, Makdara. Impressive season from Cam Teeley so far, to be fair. Not really one of the teams who would have registered at the likely to be top at this point or at any point, really. Um, I think most people had their sort of select few. I certainly wouldn't have, wouldn't have had them nailed down, but they, they've really overachieved. Yeah, they've done really well, particularly playing on that cabbage patch of a pitch in, in uh, <laughs> Stradbrook, which I, I know quite well. I used to and train on the pitch, but for uh, for a number of years I played on the, I trained on the lower pitches with a, with a local football team. So, um, I know what that that can be like. So what's great is this time of year the the pitch will get better because the rugby season is just uh, finished. So um, there you go. Yeah, it's only got to go up. So there you go. It's it's yet another uh, string to their bow for their their run into the end of the season. Let's talk just briefly about um, a, a bit of a sad story regarding Limerick. We've already sort of hammered them on the on the show. Not Limerick fans running or the team running like that. The 
the uh, the board and people above that, I suppose, in a way, because um, the the story about Sean Russell is, is proven to be more and more frustrating as it goes along. Essentially, as you would have heard, I'm sure, um, on Jamie Moore's uh, Jamie Moore talking to him on off the ball, and I think then did a little bit of talk on 98 FM after updating the situation. The latest update essentially is that his expenses were not paid for March, um, including a, a amount for an operation and then a second operation which is required. Uh, so I tell you what, we're actually going to hear just a clip of, of uh, Jamie Moore's show 98 FM here. We does an update because he, I think he vocalised is it better than, than I could just repeating them? League of Ireland players are not professionals, they're amateurs, they're paid expenses weekly, and in, in the case of Limerick, they're paid monthly. Sean's expenses for March were given to him in a check recently, late, very late, over a month late. He lodged that check into his bank on the 7th of May, which was Tuesday of this week, just gone. He came into us in the podcast on Wednesday, and on Friday the 10th of May, his banking app uh, alerted him to the fact that the check remained unpaid, which means that. The club have not paid him his expenses because the cheque bounced or did not go into his account unpaid. So now, Sean Russell has a bill being billed to him from the sports surgery clinic of €4,500, which is owed by Limerick, but because Limerick are not engaged with the hospital, the hospital are chasing Sean. And now we reveal that his expenses, which aren't very much, I should add, for March, we're now in May, on the 10th of May, remain unpaid by the club. And it's an absolute disgrace that Limerick are being allowed to play football matches, given the way the club are treating a young player. It's an absolute disgrace. And the club currently on their website talking about a takeover and investors by a guy called Sean Connor and the chairman Pat O'Sullivan talking about, you know, wanting to get the club back to where it belongs and all that sort of stuff. And it's absolute rubbish. If the FAI or anybody else allows a takeover of this club with this bill outstanding, it's I just can't put into words how annoyed and frustrated I am. And Sean has had huge support on Twitter and huge support online since interview on Wednesday. And still the FAI haven't called him and still Limerick apart from the manager to see how he is haven't called him to discuss money, to discuss payments, and he does need a second operation to fix his knee even more, which he should have had last week, which he also hasn't had because the club won't pay for it. And it's absolutely scandalous and so, so annoying. Reactions to that pretty sad story, McDara, it's, it's, we've seen it all too bloody often, really. Yeah, there was this kind of a similar enough situation that Bray wandered under the kind of previous owners and, and uh, Hugh Douglas, I think, had, had talked about it. You know, a surgery and injury that that he had. Um, thankfully, it seemed that was that was resolved. But you know, it is very worrying. You know, you talk about you know professionals and being professional within the league, and and it's really important that you know if players are injured that they're looked after. So hopefully, this can be resolved pretty quickly. Yeah, it's it's pretty farcical. Um, to be fair to Jamie Moore, he's he's condemned the idea around Limerick, but also saying how would they allow kind of keep going on and playing games when something like this is going on? And it probably is something that needs to be looked at going forward. You can't just have this sort of unsettled and, and get on with things until it gets settled. It's not really a way for, for any league or any sports group to live. And Asking the FAI to do something about it, I'm afraid at the moment, is probably it's not yeah, going to really result in much. The priorities might be elsewhere. Yeah, there had been talk last year about a, a fund being set up. Um, but again, that was one of those controversies where the, the PFAI and the FAI weren't exactly seeing eye to eye on this either. So, um, yeah, it is, it's a difficult situation at the minute. There is a, a GoFundMe separate, I should point out as well, um, for Sean Russell. So you can find that. We, we might tweet out a link to it. Uh, Sean Russell's medical expenses, if you just go look for it. Um, I think Blue Army or, or one of the Democrats might have set up. But, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty frustrating stuff all in all. Even to hear that idea of, um, you know, people setting up GoFundMe's, you shouldn't really have to do that, to be honest. It's it's absolutely laughable. Let's let's talk a little bit about uh, something that's pretty laughable. The uh, the recent RTE ad, your team, your town, your tribe, that got that got quite a reaction. Yeah, um, we're not Liverpool, really. Yeah, um, 
Well, it's always going to get quite a reaction in the League of Ireland. So, yeah, they're, they're uh, kind of building up some of the live sport that's happening, uh, the likes of Gaelic Games, um, but they've also put in Liverpool, I think, in the, the Champions League final, I think, to, to come. Um, and not... So, so uh, anyway, it's raised the uh, ire of the... Uh, not, of, not only just the League of Ireland fans, but actually the League of Ireland clubs as well. So, if there's a recommended read this week, it might actually be looking at the replies from the tweets... Uh, Sligo Rovers got involved. Derry City got involved. Yeah, uh, a couple of a couple of sad face memes and and yeah, Longford Town, like Town got out there. Media team got out there. GIF as well. So, uh, um, so yeah, quite entertaining there. But um, the the treats still out there anyway. Yeah, um, pretty disappointing all in all. I mean, they had GA, they had a bit of rugby. It was only stuff that they were uh, showing, I suppose. So they didn't have Leinster or Munster or anything like that. But yeah, pretty pretty disappointing. Anything you would suggest that they could have? You could have shoehorned in. Um, I think they have covered a couple of League of Ireland games today, or this so far this season, and the plan is that they're going to cover cover some more. Um, so maybe one of those matches in in the future. Yeah, that wouldn't wouldn't be a bad place to start. Wouldn't be a bad place to start. McDermott, thanks for joining us. No worries. Uh, lovely to uh, manage to wrangle you in for a podcast and, and do uh, get in touch with us if you do have uh, well, any other or comments or do rate or subscribe if you do get a chance and thanks very much to our fantastic guest Rob Manley as well we'll speak to you next week